welcome to Def and episode number 68. Our Fuck, first... hold on. I wanted yeah. him on 69. Well, we can have him on 69 as well. God damn it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Finally, we're, we're reaching the bottom of the barrel for jokes now. You know, like completely juvenile humor. Oh, yeah. We, we lost all sophistication and then it's all downhill from here. When you say we lost all sophistication, <laughs> <laughs> that's a bold assumption. <laughs> Can you remember, remind me when in the previous episodes we had found all the sophistication? Before, before <laughs> we started Defen. Yeah, maybe it was the last time Mikael was on, you know. <laughs> maybe. Anyway, all downhill so. from there. Yeah. <laughs> Episode number 69 minus one. <laughs> I'll tell Off David Nolan that one, Mikhail. <laughs> Off by one. Off by one, exactly. <laughs> so welcome to Defen, Mikhail. Uh, well, I would say welcome back to Defen, uh, yes. Mikhail. So it's been, uh, it's been some time and um, we are very happy to have you back. So let's get started. So what is happening with Closure World? I think uh, the, the, the plan is that Ray is going to continue for half an hour now, right? Ranting and... <laughs> And bullshitting, so we can just sit back and enjoy our tea. <laughs> what? No, I'm not going to do anything about that. Yeah, I think we 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 did we did we did have a few little um, chit chats about uh, what's going on with Spec and Marley and things like this and these other things that are popping up from the woodwork. But other than that, I don't know. I don't mm. think it's uh, particularly relevant for Mikiel, That's for sure. Or is it Mikiel? Um, well, uh, I am still waiting for Spec Two to to come out. So in in that sense, it's it's relevant, I guess. But uh, I I I think I'm not unique in that regard. Yeah, I, I have a, I have a feeling that it's a bit like you know I, I don't know what's going on with the uh, with the sort of it's 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 a bit like I don't know there's some sort of big brain occurring you know Richard's in his hammock thinking about shit. And we just got to wait until he, until he, well, until he just like lets out some big fart or something, or you know, just <laughs> gradually kind of explodes the uh, the yeah. the 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 functional universe with spec two. But I think a lot of people have given up um, because it's just been so long now. You know, how long was it anyway? Is it like six years? Five yeah. years or more? Yeah, six years. I think. Yeah, and I think yeah. I, I think that that is not so bad. It's just I think it's been two or three years since he said I got it wrong. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oops. Yeah. Well, I, I think uh, uh, we were both at Closure Tray uh, 2019. Uh, Ray, you and me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Alex, uh, he had a talk about well, we're working on Spec Two, and hopefully, it's uh, it will come out. <laughs> At the end of the year, so everyone was like, "Ah, oh, cool." Uh, well, that was in now, 2019, though, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think in the last episode, you described this as the was it the Osborne effect, effect or? Yeah, uh, I don't know if it was what, me. Yeah, but yeah, like, like someone pre, might have pre-announced. What was it. the what was the laptop that that didn't yeah. sell? Yes, the, the August yeah. Osborne. Yeah, Osborne. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think I'm seeing that effect clearly in the ecosystem, at, at least uh, among several people. Um, uh, but the effect like, of that one yeah. was that uh, that they they pre-announced that the next version would be better, 
and then yep. the whole thing went bankrupt. So are you saying that spec is going to become bankrupt like the Osborne computers? Well, <laughs> not bankrupt, but uh, everyone is waiting for spec two, and not not really a lot is is happening around spec one because of that reason. Because hmm. that that is my impression. Um, I I want to add a closure spec to uh, Babeshka scripting mm -hmm. yeah. uh, tool, mm -hmm. but I'm not doing it right now because I'm waiting for spec two. Yeah. Uh, and and the, I uh, the the author of uh, Reframe, uh, Mike Thompson, he mm -hmm. he also said I want to add something to to Reframe for for validation, but yeah, I'm I'm not sure if he wasn't sure if we should wait for Spec Two, and Molly looked looked great for this purpose to him. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, I think we're in this in this. Uh, transition period where nobody's sure what to do about uh, spec anymore yeah yeah but i think it's a, it's not like you know rich owes us no, no. spec no. too so i think if the no, community decides that okay you know we're all we're all happy with uh, mali or schema or whatever you know something yeah that was there before and then uh, the new things now and then if there is a critical mass around the new well, hang on, VJ. I mean, I, I disagree with you there because I, I, I think he actually does ours because it's been, <laughs> it's been announced. It's happening. So I don't, I, I, I think this idea that he doesn't owe us something is, is a bit off. I think no. I think there, are, there no, has it's, been, it's, there has been a, a, you know, it's been, it's in, it's in the process of being fixed. It's, a, you know, it's, it's, there is a, there is a sort of branch there. There is a, yeah, yeah, but there is no, there is no commitment, right? It's, it's open source. So, you know, you do it when, when you want to do it, and it's not like a um marketing deadline for anything yeah so, you, you could wonder if well, if it would have been better if they just didn't announce it and then announced it when when it was really ready like part of closure yeah, 1.11 yeah. or something yeah and then every everybody maybe would have invested more in into spec uh, as yeah. it is right now well, I think it's like you're saying, though, Mikhail, is that, it, and and I think the, you know, the fundamental point that everyone's known for a long time is that it has a chilling effect on the ecosystem. You know, whenever you kind, you know, I think it had a chilling effect on the ecosystem just being an alpha for, to begin with, and it stayed an alpha forever. So and everyone's thinking, eh, it's going to change. You know, it's obviously yeah. if, if it's. Why is it not, and why is it in alpha for, for so long? <laughs> so it must there, you know. Uh, it's a lot of hammock time. So, so coming out with the details on spec two takes longer than the entire design of of closure itself. So, <laughs> mm, yeah. but if it's worth the yeah. wait, uh, yeah, maybe it's very good. Uh, well, we'll just have to see, right? Um, yeah, but but I definitely think that in the meantime, it's like you know, um, I think the guys at Matosin have just took a practical perspective, which is, okay, let's just start doing some things with the tech that's out there right now. Um, so you know, I really like uh, the Mali approach. I've started using it. Um, not, I'm not giving up on spec because I think spec is still very good for yeah. for things for certain you know data interchange. Yeah, um, definitely. I, I'm using spec for parsing uh, code as well. For in, I have made a tool to search 
code through uh, through closure specs. So you can mm. describe the shape of the code, and that works very well with spec. I haven't tried this with uh, Molly <clears throat> because Molly didn't have this uh, sequence schemas yet uh, before one of before O three O. Right. So, but but spec work works very very well for for these kinds of things. So maybe in the end the community will see in like three years from now uh, when to choose Molly and when to choose spec and mm-hmm. what are the benefits uh, of of both approaches. Um, yeah. yeah, the only thing that's a bit annoying, obviously, is having to learn two tools that are that are kind of different enough to be, you know, <laughs> to be a bit annoying, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I proposed to to Tommy, like, let's make a tool uh, that helps you migrate from hmm. specs spec to Molly schemas and vice versa. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> I think that would be cool. Yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah. And then I think every project requires three dependencies now. Yep. Half, <laughs> half of the project is in is in Mali, half of it is in yeah, too. And then that's a little there is bit, a glue uh, code somewhere. <laughs> that's a little bit the, the sad part that, that we don't have one solution that everyone will use because Mali, for example, now has a nice uh, tool which lets you uh, emit CLJ condo uh, information. So you get mm. the this, the specs that you write for your functions will also be uh, used for linting. Yeah. And if everyone would invest in these type annotations, we could have really good experience also using this for, for linting, which mm. gets you like maybe 50% of the benefits of static typing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. but. I, uh, no, that's but, science. I think you just came out with that. Okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but it surely, it surely will give you a lot of benefits if everyone uses the same approach and, and uh, commits to it. And mm. now we have all the all of these uh, separate solutions. Yeah, and maybe maybe it's a good. I, I know CLJ Condo is is more like a foundational tool now in closure development. Uh, pretty much in every tool, uh, which is super awesome, by the way. Um, maybe it's a good idea to people who still don't know about CLJ Condo to <laughs> to tell them what it is. Yeah, uh, so CLJ Condo is a closure linter uh, and also a static analyzer which can emit information about your code, but it's primarily uh, known uh, for its use as a linter. Uh, it's it just spits out information about uh, if you call functions with an invalid uh, amount of arguments, for example, uh, it can detect uh, type problems. So if you call the 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 ink function with a keyword instead of a number, for example, mm-hmm. it will tell you oh you've done something wrong. So in general, it it prevents you from making silly mistakes uh, while you're typing your code. That is the main idea about it. Yeah, and it is now basically included in every IDE that we use, right? Uh, it's it's plugged into Cider, uh, LSP, Kava, VS Code. Yeah, so how it works. Uh, so CLJ Condo can emit information. If you type a function, uh, it will emit a namespace element and a function element and a, the name of the function and the arities of the function. and uh, so it can be used as a library to get this information. And mm-hmm. then you can build tools on top of this. 
for example, close your LSP. That is a tool which uh, implements an LSP server for uh, for closure. Uh, what is LSP, uses, Michael? Yeah, I will explain it. Uh, so, so it uses Salesforce to do the the code analysis, and then it implements the LSP protocol, and uh, it stands for Language Server Protocol. Uh, and this language server protocol is uh, invented by Microsoft. Initially, it was uh, for uh, VS Code uh, to implement a server that's running in the background. And then the, the editor talks to the server to get information about uh, what, yeah, to do things related to your code uh, and also for linting. Yep. Um, but, but this then got uh, the protocol call got. I think standardized. I don't know the exact history, but I think I imagined it it went like that. And then other editors also implemented clients for this. So using the same server that you're using for VS Code, you can now reuse this. For example, for Emacs, if you build a client in Elisp, then you can uh, reuse the exact same server to to get uh, linting and code navigation features and completions. Mm -hmm. For, for Emacs or for IntelliJ or for uh, any other editor that, that can talk to an LSP server. Nice. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so so it's now used in uh, Calva. Yeah. So bef bef uh, I've, uh, before I've written uh, an LSP server myself, which only exposed uh, Sailje Kondo information. And this was, uh, a separate extension that you had to install from Calva in in VS Code, mm. but now uh, v, uh, Calva uh, they use the Closure LSP as a library, and uh, and that LS LSP uses Sildicondo again. So now you don't uh, need to install this uh, separate extension anymore. Yeah. So you get it basically bundled with Calva. I recently started using Closure LSP in Emacs. Yeah, it's it's really cool because uh, yeah, you you get an the navigation uh, that that you usually need a REPL for. You get you now get only using uh, static analysis. Yeah. So even well in Closure Script, I'm usually too lazy to to set up something like a REPL, and now I. Get all this navigation after years of not having this <laughs> in closure script. <laughs> I finally get this again, so yeah, yeah. I, I can see the benefits. Yeah, but it's been really nice that, um, as you said, in uh, in Emacs, for example, or any other editor, now there is a nice foundation of common functionality that you can get in every editor, regardless of what editor that you use. But obviously, you you should use Emacs because the rest of the shit is piece of junk <laughs> of anyway. Yeah. So um I agree. People can <laughs> people can <laughs> finally experience some of the you know features across all, all different people <laughs> stop beeping me out when we got about uh yeah suddenly there's problems with the internet. <laughs> yes. I think this this is something that 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 you're doing, right? I think you. 
give like somebody said emacs you know somebody has somebody said emacs on the internet let's bring down the internet <laughs> but we'll, i will we'll get back in a minute but but you use uh, intellij right is intellij also using lsp you know that already or or they have their own i don't think they use lsp because i think intellij basically has a very complicated indexer um ah. that does all this static analysis yeah, uh, yeah that's yeah. what i think um cursive relies on as yeah. well i think there um, is like mps or something in intellij like a special uh, yeah, yeah something yeah okay. they do they do yeah they have a different language protocol basically of their own um hmm. and then i think he extends the mps to uh yeah 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 for closure but uh but yeah i mean i think a lot probably i i don't know if he uses condo either actually um cuz mm-hmm. i always use condo for myself for, what we tend to do is we put condo in the ci and we we do it on the command yeah. line before we check stuff in but yep. i don't have it as a sort of um real time feedback in the editor yeah yeah Do you have it set up like that? No, I I just use Emacs and then um uh Emacs with uh, LSP recently. And right. then okay. uh been well, I mean it's always been Emacs with Repls mostly, but these days uh, with LSP. Mm. Once that was released I think a few months ago or maybe a bit uh, uh Hello. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so we were just talking whether IntelliJ is using LSP or not. Uh, IntelliJ IDR cursive. No, cursive. no, no. Yeah. The, no, no. So cursive uh cursive has has its own I I think IntelliJ has its own model and cursive builds on top of this this model. Musical instrument that you play with by waving your hands in the air near antennas and it goes it's pretty neat. Um <laughs> so you know do you know ghost sounds from <laughs> Okay oh. right okay <laughs> take 2 <two. laughs> <laughs> Well it's just a 30 so, minutes so I think we bad. should uh, keep Mikel away from computers from now on <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Maybe the, maybe you know um zencaster isn't using clj condo in their ci i think that's so. the problem yeah. that is yeah. definitely a huge that should have fixed everything part. yeah <laughs> so are we going to start again yep. what do you think i mean do you think it would have kept some of those files yeah it did because i can see recording one there is enough of content there so we can continue talking about um about IntelliJ. emacs lsp and intellij lsp exactly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, we were just uh, talking about uh, whether IntelliJ is <laughs> using LSP or not, and also IntelliJ using not IntelliJ but Cursive probably, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cursive using using uh, CLJ Condo or not? No, no. Uh, so uh, IntelliJ has its own model of of the code. I'm not yeah. exactly sure how it works, but it, it's a propri- <laughs> proprietary thing or maybe it's open source, I don't know, from yeah. JetBrains and they use their code analysis or all mm. uses that framework and cursive i think uses that framework yeah yeah that's right uh, uh it doesn't use lsp or clj condo but you can install in intellij a plugin for oh, L- okay. lsp and then you can also use uh clj condo the lsp server or you can okay. use 
or you can use Closure LSP, which is the, the full Closure LSP project with the navigation and uh, completion hmm. and sale econo included. Okay. But what's the point though? Because you get all the navigation yeah. from from cursive. Yeah, yeah. that's that's true. Uh, I guess you have to pay for cursive, so maybe it's, you know that's the yeah, that, that, yeah. that's true. But, do uh, that. but, but maybe maybe uh, closure LSP has some function uh, or some features that cursive doesn't have have, or uh, at least you get the linting from CLD Condo also. Uh, but uh, I'm not I'm not sure. Uh, I I haven't used cursive that much, so I'm. Mm. Not really able to compare. Yeah, because you get a lot of. Um, I mean, you know, not. I think CLJ condos have got more features than than um, the cursive thing does. But it, it, it for instance, when you're editing um, closure in cursive, it will it will tell you things that are wrong. Like it will tell you where where things aren't being used. For example, it will gray out mm. parameters that aren't being used or requirement or you know defs that aren't being used. Yeah, but it doesn't. Funny enough, it doesn't work. Like I think where where Condor works better is like if you refer a, va a variable, for example, a refer a function, um, it, it doesn't catch that in um, in in cursive. But obviously, mm -hmm. CLJ Condor catches. So that. if you don't use the re referred uh, function, you mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. in that case, it doesn't catch it. So so what I do is I tend to edit with cursive and then. Before checking the code in, I will run the CLJ Condor just to mm. as a final check. You know, you could just yeah. make your life easier by using Emacs and LSP. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's like, it's like spec two. You know, it's like it's, uh, yeah. one of these days it will happen. I, I guess you know, but uh, it takes a lot of thinking about. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so but, but CLJ. Condo is also in uh, CLJ Condo is also in Wim thingy, right? Wim Fireplace or, or, uh, or is yeah. it, there is a different plugin for that. I think so. Uh, I don't know much about Wim, but I see a lot of mentions about uh, Wim Iced these days. Yeah, which is made by uh, I think a Japanese or Chinese. I think Japanese guy mm -hmm. uh, who also provides some extra features if you have CLJ Condo installed. And yep. it will call out to this binary to to also catch this analysis information, and also okay. do some stuff. But you can also mm. use uh, LSP from from Vim, mm. and then you get exactly the same features as as in Emacs or uh, yeah. VS Code. So it's nice that that uh, yeah you have to just write one thing and it gets used everywhere. That's a big win. Yeah. So the basic editing experience of these terminals can be similar. Yeah. Mm. yeah, that's uh, is that an insult? Basically? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank off, you for catching that, Mikhail. Off, off these terminals, <laughs> he was exactly. <laughs> he was he was thinking that you know, like oh, okay, you know, terminals are inferior. And then that's basically what what he. That, so the, uh, yeah, the main the mainframe editors can all have the same performances. <laughs> I think this is this is coming from a guy who's using Linux on his desktop. So, what's wrong with that? That's a, that, that's, well, I mean, that's a good thing. Half of the half well, the shit on Linux is on is on terminal, right? You don't have no, fancy UI. No, I mean, yeah, that's, it, there's a totally tendentious argument, you know, fallacious. 
<laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you know, the, the, the fact is that uh, Linux is really good. You know, you can make, you can buy very, very cheap hardware and use it and have a great um, desktop experience for Linux. Otherwise, you know, idiots like you buying these Macs for, you know, spending three or $4,000 for a piece of crap computer. Yes, exactly. And that you is know, also the reason why... I can spend a quarter of that and get something much better. That, that, that's also the reason why you spend two hours figuring out why the fuck headphones are not working. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm already <laughs> recording some shit. Oh, yeah, because this has been such a smooth recording experience, VJ. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's Zencaster. I think we can complain about Zencaster, you know, uh, without any issues. So, okay. Anyway, and I, I I don't care if it is if it is any type of computer, as long as you know I don't need to spend time tinkering this shit. So it's um yeah. Well, that, I think I think that, the thing those is days we, are over from me. Yeah, so. but I mean, every I, I think the whole point is that everyone's got some kind of like uh, cost benefit analysis to do anything, you know. So yeah, I mean, you know, if you if if you just want to get some reliable hardware, max great. If you don't know much yeah. about hardware, if you can put together your own computers. Then, well, like that's I what do. I did when I was a kid, and I'm not anymore. You know, oh, ouch, ouch! Building this, <laughs> building those, all these fucking gigabyte shitty laptops, and then trying to figure out all the crap with the turbo LED and that doesn't do anything. And <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, these this, this days, shit happened in the past, and I know, yeah. but but these days yeah. you can you can basically go on the internet, get a PC builder. It's pretty, yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty trivial, you know. That's true. I, I get my sons to do it. Uh, they've got, mm. not, got much experience, but they can put together a PC in half a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it all works very, very reliably. And it's like yeah. I say, it's a quarter of the price of uh, of a Mac. You know, that's true. And it's yeah. got far more. It's got you know, twice as much memory and you know more cores and all this kind of stuff. So it's a bit yeah. like people who you know want to use Emacs. You know, you you put the investment up front in terms of learning the technology, and then you you know you reap the benefits later. Yeah, but it's it's not like you know the it, it doesn't especially once you these days because all the developer tools are available on pretty much all the platforms, so it it really given Windows as WSL now you know, basically whole uh, Linux simulation layer. I think we'll talk about it a bit. And uh, I think Mihil is already experimenting with WSL, so I'm I'm curious where he's at because I'm I tried WSL one and then WSL two a little bit, yeah. but uh, I'm like yeah, I've also yeah. built. Go on, oh, go sorry. on, yeah. No, go on. So, yeah, I, I did build a PC as well <clears throat> during uh, last year in the pandemic <clears throat> because a lot of people were talking about it. Well, well, we're in the house anyway, so let's not use laptops anymore. Let's all build a PC. So that's mm. what I did as well. Yeah. yeah. And so the first thing I tried was installing uh, Ubuntu, but then my video card drivers didn't work. <laughs> uh, which which was expected. Yeah, uh, you, you then, should have you should check the wiki for yeah, support yeah. E Eventually, cards. eventually, I got it working. So, yeah. uh, but it it takes some time. And yeah. uh, but I was also curious about WSL two. Um, hmm. uh, so I just installed Windows as well, and then uh, WS WSL two on top. So yeah. WSL two is a uh, Linux, kind of a virtual machine, but not really. It's it's something more integrated uh, into Windows, uh, but it uses, I think, hypervisor yep. technology to to run a Linux system, mm -hmm. and it, this really works really smooth. Uh, hmm. So you just install this, and then, uh, well, it basically is. 
well, you can install Ubuntu and then you can run all your tools. But if you then start VS Code, for example, yep. you can you can uh, edit natively in Windows, but it will connect to your programs in the WSL2 uh, environment, like like as if it's the same system. It's yeah. It's a really smooth, smooth uh, experience. Yeah, I think uh, WSL two is is way more impressive compared to WSL one. I think WSL one has more in terms of the integration. I think WSL two has more kernel level integration. I think so. The file system acts faster um, if you are copying between Linux and Windows, and that made it the whole experience super smoother. I think. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think that's uh, the most performant bit copying mm -hmm. from Windows to to Linux, but. I think they improved that that as well, but that is still pretty slow compared to copying from Native. the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But so in general, I think you should just do all your development stuff in the WSL two, mm. and maybe the the graphical part in in Windows itself. Yeah. Why, why would you use Windows though? I mean, I mean, I'm not joking yeah. about that because yeah, I yeah. think Windows is a really terrible operating system. Yeah, I don't disagree. <laughs> no, but, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm not even joking. You know, I think it's no, just yeah, awful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I don't disagree. But for me personally, I, uh, I make all these binary programs for mm. uh, CLD Condo. I distribute binaries, mm -hmm. and for Babeshka as well, and some other. Uh, tools, and I just want to be able to test this on Windows as well. So, ah, yeah. okay, okay. And, uh, yeah. So I can do the compilation on Windows itself natively, mm -hmm. and and in the WSL two in the Linux environment. And I do have a Mac laptop, so I can test out very easily all the three main operating systems. Right, right. And the Windows WSL two system, it's it's a very fast system with a Ryzen uh, processor and mm. one. 128 gigs of uh, memory. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it compiles Babeshka twice as fast as on my uh, Mac laptop. Sure. But sure. maybe maybe with the, the M1 processor, yeah. it will change yeah. again. So. <laughs> yeah, I've been hearing some good stuff about M1. I was thinking of getting a like a Mac mini because, as you said, everybody is at, at home these days, so laptops are not really that, that um, useful anymore uh, given lack of travel. Uh, but I heard uh, pretty good stuff about M1, especially I, I know a couple of people who are using M1 MacBooks, and they're like, oh, the, the battery life is crazy on those things. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I hear, and hopefully, when all the tools are ported properly, and maybe then I'll give it a try. But yeah, but nowadays I I thought I would I would work most of the time on my uh, new PC, but. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty convenient to to just pick the laptop and sit wherever you want and then <laughs> do your work. Uh, yeah. Even even if I'm at my desk most of the time. Uh, yeah. So I try to set it up like I I can always work from my laptop and then log into my PC uh, using <laughs> the terminal. <laughs> And <laughs> using the terminal. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah using the terminal. I, I actually love the terminal. Uh, so, of course you uh, so I tried all, all these combinations like uh, launching Emacs from the terminal on my PC and then working from my laptop uh, and also tunneling uh, X server to my laptop. Yeah. Uh, VS Code has a mode to, to directly 
added on an SSH uh, yeah. connection. Uh, I also tried that. I also tried uh, CIDR connecting to a REPL on my uh, PC from my laptop. And while the files are <laughs> edited locally. So I tried all these combinations. So and, uh, why aren't you using Tmux, Mikhail? Come on. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just haven't tried it. <laughs> and, and you and you wonder why your Wi-Fi is saturated. <laughs> all, this, all these things talking to each other, like bazillion Eden files floating around from one laptop yeah. to the desktop to back. But uh, eventually, I uh, I only do the heavy stuff now on on my PC, and then I just copy the stuff back to my laptop. That's <laughs> that's what I ended up with because yeah. there is always a bit of bit of delay and ergonomics uh, yeah. issue. So, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. the, th the other thing, that, I, don't, I don't know what it's like with Emacs, by the way, but um, you can tell me, but are the chords different on Windows and on uh, Mac, or are they the same? No. Uh, well, the chords so are the same. That's what you call it, isn't it, a chord? Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. I think so. So, so the key uh, combinations, the chords, are the yeah, same, yeah. but the, the if you the keyboard layout is not always the mm, same yeah. for a keyboard which is suited for Windows or a Mac. So mm, mm -hmm. one thing that that bugged me was the function key is on Mac Mac laptops. It's on the far uh, left. Mm. Yeah, and on Windows keyboards is usually the control key is on the far yeah. left, and then yeah. you yeah. get the function. Yeah. And this yeah. Yeah. is very annoying with Emacs. <laughs> uh, I find personally. So yeah, let's just let's just ruminate on the fact that things were annoying <laughs> with Emacs. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Carry on. Let's move it's on. Fine. Now. We, we've, fine. We've, it's fine. We've 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 been around some houses here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, CLJ but, Condor. That's, I think, uh, I think that's, that's, I think it's really good, a big success story, actually, Mikhail, for you. And I think um, you've got, you're getting a lot of contributions. And I think people are in yeah. the community are very excited about it, because I think what you did um, with CLJ Condor fundamentally, and I think that was your objective, was to make the lint to something which was done in closure rather than in Go or some other language. So I think this has been a huge win. And obviously, the, you know the benefits from GraalVM in terms of speed were the real innovation that you that you that you latched onto. So you know I think it's a great success. Uh, we were going to talk a little bit about the fact that with this success and this fame, you know you're now um, the recipient of the beneficence of Cognitect in their largesse as they um, <laughs> give out money to their winners, and you are one of the lucky golden ticket holders. <laughs> Yeah, I was uh, <laughs> happy to see this. Um, no, it's really good. It's good. It's a good. Yeah, it's, yeah, a good yeah. uh, it's a good thing by uh, by Cognitech for sure. Yeah, I'm really grateful uh, that they are doing this. Um, so, uh, yeah, hopefully in the future uh, I can work more on these tools. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, by having some some income from these open source projects that's, that's yeah. really cool if that would grow in the in the future but right mm. now i'm really grateful for companies like cognitect and there's actually one other company who's uh also sponsoring me with sub sub uh substantial amount uh which is at goji from yep. the netherlands 
Mm. Yep. But they are uh, they are doing it through open collectives. Uh, mm. Mm. So yeah, if I would have let's say five or ten of these companies, I could make a living mm. of, of yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's a it's an, a very interesting trend uh, to to see where this GitHub donations and also open collective is going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because in the start of 2019, I uh, I, I I started with Sale de Condo and I not for the money, you know, just mm, because yeah. I wanted to build a cool uh, and useful tool. But now it's it's becoming more serious and uh, mm, mm. yeah, and uh, I'm really happy that it's so, going like this because it's it is uh, as I said one of the. Uh, one of the um, foundational tool now, uh, as we were saying, like it's part of practically every closure developers toolkit now. Mm-hmm. If it is not, I think people should check the check it out. Uh, yeah, stop, definitely. stop the podcast, and then install the shit right now. So, um, yeah, but I think it's really so, interesting how you've you've taken that though, Michael. Is you know you're looking at low level tools like Belinter, and then you've got these little low level tools like the the small closure interpreter as well. Um, you know, and all these little tools that maybe maybe you could describe a little bit about what your motivation is for some of these other little, uh, not little in the yeah. sort of impact sense, but, you know, they're kind of like piecing together little bits and pieces. Uh, maybe someone yeah. deploying it. You tell me a bit a bit about what your kind of uh, strategy is for a lot of these tools as you bring yeah. them together. Uh, so it started with CLG Condo. So I built uh, a tool that could analyze arbitrary closure code and then spit mm-hmm. out some information about that <clears throat> and this and i compiled this using GraalVM native image so mm-hmm. it had instant startup and you can just invoke it from the terminal <laughs> um, <laughs> and have instant feedback uh, and i i thought this was really cool um, and it yeah it took me uh, well, it crossed my mind a couple of times to to also build an, a closure interpreter with instant uh, execution in, uh, instead of only linting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can execute arbitrary closure expressions from the terminal um, as a script, you know. Yeah. But but because Sildiaconda was already yeah taking so much time. It crossed my mind a few times, but I thought, well, let's not do that because that will will be a too too big of a project. But until I did uh, try it, <laughs> so I started very small, like, uh, okay, just for for today, let's just try to implement a let expression or something which mm. can execute from the terminal, and this is basically how the 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 interpreter, uh, the small closure interpreter, uh, started. So you can execute a let expression, and then I try to support uh, loops, and then I su- try to support functions. But initially, the only thing that I had in mind was uh, you pipe some input to this command, and then you can mm-hmm. execute an expression. Then it will spit out uh, something. That is basically what I only had in mind. But, but it what just... is what is small in small closure interpreter then? So is it so still small? It started really small. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like that. And uh, but I added more stuff to it uh, up to the point that it almost supports all of closure now. 
<laughs> so, uh, so it became super closure interpreter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it, it supports. I think you should uh, call it simple closure interpreter just for the trolling. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, for the trolling or easy, easy closure interpreter. Yeah, easy maybe. closure interpreter. But yeah. um, so it now supports uh, functions, uh, vars, uh, namespaces, multi methods, uh, yeah, macros, of course. Mm. Uh, first, it didn't support macros, but yeah, after a while, it did, uh, and so it <laughs> went on and on, and. <laughs> So, so the main differences uh, now with JVM closure uh, and the small closure interpreter is things like uh, where the closure compiler uh, emits new classes. That is something I cannot do in, in the small closure interpreter because it runs in, or you can use it with GraalVM native image. Mm -hmm. And once you have your native image, that is a closed world. So you cannot mm -hmm. create new classes while it while it's already compiled. Yep. And this is this is where I need to come up with some some workarounds in this interpreter. Um, so uh, things like protocols, they they emit new classes in, in closure in the JVM. So, but in uh, in the interpreter, I I just have to work my way around this basically hmm. um, so is the idea just just to sort of back up a little bit is the is the hmm. idea that sci is uh, uh something that's something that's used via graal vm so it's pre it's pre-compiled um and it's not dynamic like closure is is that you know, the, the yeah. headline news yes there? so the difference um so the the use case is uh you want to create a graal vm native image Mm -hmm. which has an instant startup, but you mm -hmm. also want closure evaluation. Hmm. And this is something you cannot do just by calling eval mm -hmm. for, from closure core, because eval will use the compiler to, to emit bytecode and hmm. uh, uh, a native image cannot execute bytecode. It, it, it has already compiled this bytecode to, hmm. to native. Some object yeah. code, yeah. So, so you cannot do this at runtime anymore. So, instead of using bytecode, uh, uh, bytecode compilation, I use an interpreter. So it just parses your string into S expressions, and then it interprets those S expressions instead of emitting bytecode. Mm. So this is the difference. So, um, how does it manage to interpret them rather than evaluate them then? Yeah, so this is uh, that's basically the the goal of the library to to interpret these things. So uh, the interpreter is built from a couple of uh, components. So obviously you, ha you have the parser, which mm -hmm. goes from a string to s expressions, and then you have something called uh, the analyzer, and the analyzer tries to optimize the the s expressions in such a way. That it's fast to execute uh, the forms. So, for example, if we have a do expression, so let's say do and then print foo and then print bar. So okay. you have two things in the do block. Mm -hmm. uh, what you can do is just uh, walk over all the expressions in the do block and then execute them uh, using a loop, for example. Mm -hmm. But what you can also do, uh, and that's an optimization that I'm doing, is that you analyze each um, 
expression beforehand and then uh, save those expressions in a local and then just uh, when you evaluate the entire do block you just look up the expressions in the local instead of looping over all, all of them. Mm -hmm. So you can uh, unroll, let's say, these do blocks. So I have a couple of macros that uh, optimize this for like 20, uh, up to 20 expressions or so. And, and if you have more than them, then it will use a loop, for example. Mm -hmm. So this, this, this is done in the analyzer. <clears throat> what the analyzer also does is look up uh, var references and class uh, references. So if you say ink one, then it will look up the var ink in the analyzer, and then it will emit a form that just has a reference to the var directly instead of uh, looking it up at evaluation time, let's say. So if you evaluate this form multiple times, you don't have to look up this var all the time. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so the, these are the things in an analyzer, and and the analyzer then em emits expressions that, let's say, the evaluator is is what I call it, then executes those expressions. Hmm. Now, do you build all this from scratch, or are you using some sort of um, pre-existing um, tools? Yeah. Uh, so I took care that all of this works with GraalVM. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so if you try to do this using, at the time at least, tools, uh, tools reader directly for closure, for mm -hmm. th that is a, uh, a parser for closure, yeah. uh, then you would run into some, some things related to eval, uh, which were not right. possible. And maybe right now you can work around this, but there was also a bug, or not really a bug, but an issue in Clojure related to the locking macro. Mm -hmm. uh, in Gra uh, so GraalVM did not understand the locking macro in Clojure. And this, this was also an issue with lots of projects at the time uh, that, that mm. you were trying. Uh, they just didn't compile with GraalVM. So I basically re rebuilt everything in such a way that it's works with GraalVM. Uh, so the parser, it is it is using basically only the Eden parser from Tools Reader because mm -hmm. that that uh, ensures that, that there is no evaluation happening. Mm -hmm. um, and then I added some stuff on top to, to get uh, better location uh, information. So in the interpreter, you have information about all the symbols as well, instead yep. of only the lines. Right, right. So, so if you type uh, top level symbol in closure, you will not get location information about this. Mm. But in inside, you will get uh, online twenty column four. There is an unresolved symbol X or something. Oh, so, nice. So that is also what this parser does. Uh, the parser is called Edamami. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, and it's also configurable. So you can say, uh, I want to parse only Eden plus this little thing on extra. And, uh, or you can say, I want to parse full closure uh, syntax. So it's, it, it has this configuration, but I'm using this parser in, in the interpreter. Mm. And um, yeah, it's pretty much built from scratch. Uh, 
I I don't really use any libraries except Tools Reader. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, obviously the interpreter is more or less you would say complete in terms of the features that you want to have, or there are, yeah. there are more things that you want to add there. Well, I think it's pretty uh, pretty much. Uh, let's say the first eighty percent are always the easiest. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so it supports the basic things you you will need for scripting, uh, mm. like up to def record, let's say. Yeah. Um, but after that, even def record is um, uh, a little bit of an edge case because in closure itself. In the real closure, let's say, it will also emit a class. Mm. Yeah. So that that's already where I have to, if you say def record foo, and then you say instance foo, and then you create a create a record, then it should return true. Yeah. So even even there already, I should I have a patch in my instance function because I don't re emit these these classes, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I still want it to, to return true. So I have a. Yeah. <laughs> I have some workarounds uh, there. Okay. Yeah? Um, so this is def record, um, and then there are things like uh, reify. So you want mm. to reify uh, interfaces yeah. and protocols. Yeah. So before yesterday, it was only possible to reify protocols or interfaces, but not both at the same time. <laughs> and and the okay. reason is again that. In 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 GraalVM native image, you cannot emit new classes. Mm. Yeah. Um, so what I did before yesterday is I pre it's breaking news on the podcast. It, this it is, is incredible. Breaking. It is, it is <laughs> yeah. incredible. Yeah. So what I did is <laughs> I you, you I, heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, breaking news. Um, so so what I did uh, to support reify um, before is. Is it Rayfy? Is it because it's me? You yeah, know. it's Rayfy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were thinking, <laughs> oh, I'm coming on the podcast. Let's yeah, do yeah. something for Ray. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we will get to uh, Fijify later. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> So I think if if you if you if you do VJify every function and it, it keeps returning just one string saying use fucking Emacs and move on. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else. And it doesn't matter what you what you write in the body, it always returns just one string yeah. that says use fucking Emacs and I shut up. But let's say for the last twenty percent to support uh, <laughs> to to get more closure compatibility because that's yeah. that's one of the goals, right? To have a, yeah. a scripting tool that supports most of closure. Yeah, and and also can run libraries from the closure ecosystem uh, mm. from closures. Mm. So you can just say, "I want to use this library," and then it hopefully works, because yeah, that yeah. is currently not uh, the case with every every library. So mm. if your library uses dev type, for example, it won't work uh, today. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because dev type is is yeah the most the most low level thing you can have in in closure. Um, so I don't have a good answer to that yet, but it might be coming in a couple of months. I don't know. Hmm. But Just before I'm, you go on, Michael, I mean, you know, yeah. so like you're talking about these like 80%. I mean, is that, you know, when you look at the libraries out there, um, have you got a decent corpus of libraries that are supported? 
Yeah, yeah. I have a link yeah. on the. So maybe I should uh, also explain that. Uh, so the interpreter is called Sci, S C I, right. but uh, this is a library, and this library is used in in Babeshka. Babeshka is the interpreter compiled to GraalVM mm-hmm. uh, with GraalVM, <clears throat> but with um, a selection of libraries built in suitable for for scripting. So yep. this is basically an application that is built using Sci. Uh, but Sai also compiles to JavaScript, so you can also use it from uh, from JavaScript. Um, but uh, about library compatibility, so in Babeshka, Babeshka supports something like a class path. Mm-hmm. So you can say, uh, I want this library on my class path, and uh, but not all of the libraries work. So we do have a page with a list of of libraries that work with Babeshka in the documentation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's called uh, doc/projects.md. There is an entire list there. No, nice. So for so because you said CLJ Condo, going back to CLJ Condo a little bit, because uh, what are the next plans for it? So where where do you want to take it? Is it like going to be like uh, you're going to introduce the rest of the fifty percent of the static typing, or what is the <laughs> idea? <laughs> Um, yeah, so so one relatively new feature in Salesforce Condo is um, it also uses the the interpreter now, yep. uh, but for macros. So if okay. you uh, well, a user can now write a hook uh, to to expand your macro calls, let's say, mm-hmm. um, to to get better analysis for. Macros that Salesforce doesn't understand uh, out of the box. Yeah. Uh, so this was recently added, um, or maybe half a year ago already. But uh, but that that is still an area of of improvement to to add more uh, abilities to this, so people can do more, so they can emit also uh, linting warnings during their hooks, for example. This is already mm-hmm. possible, but I think uh, it can be improved. Um, I'm constantly working with the LSP team as well mm-hmm. to to mm-hmm. give them more data for to improve LSP. Yeah. Uh, so that is an area that I, I think I will work on in in the mm. future. Yeah. And then there is yeah, a pretty big list of things that are still still to do, but it's mostly small stuff you know no not not really not mm. really any big uh topics but more finishing touches let's say mm. yeah uh for example well in salesdiacondo you can lint uh salesdiac files mm-hmm. but so if you have you, you just type the letter x uh you get unresolved symbol but for both mm. languages actually or mm-hmm. for bo- because Salesforce will lint the CLGC file as if it's closure and closure script, so mm-hmm. it will lint it actually twice. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you, so you will get the warning twice, but it's deduplicated before it's it's printed. Oh. Um, but if you have a, a, a function and then uh, you have a, a branch, 
So you say you have an arg argument to the function x, but you're only using it in the closure branch, let's say. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you will st still get a warning that x is unused because you don't have a closure scripts branch that uses it. And yeah, right, this, right. this is sometimes uh, confusing people. So maybe we will add some something to the warning, like it it's not used in this language, but it is in that other language. And this is why you get the warning, for example. So these are the, the finishing touches, let's say, and but there are always, uh, yeah. What were the things, things that you were going to, what are the things that you were contemplating around spec on? Um, yeah. On CLJ Condo. Yeah, that, so that's that's one of the, the things with spec one and spec two, right? So I'm not really investing a lot in this right now because I know that spec is going to change. Mm, yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm kind of waiting for that. And then once that is, once spec two is there, I, I think I want to support uh, analyzing specs statically. So you get mm -hmm. uh, also type type uh, related uh, lintings hmm. for this. So if you make an FDEF that doesn't conform to the actual function that you're trying to FDEF, for example. For example, but also if you FDEF uh, that the first argument is an int, and then you call yeah. that function with a string, right? That, that you also get this linting for free, you know? Hmm. And this yeah. already works with uh, Molly. Uh, uh, not because Seljacondo has support for Mali, but because Mali uh, built a tool which um, can spit out information that Seljacondo understands. Mm -hmm. So any tool can basically do this. So mm -hmm. if you write your own Mali or spec, you can write a, a plugin for your validation system to spit out this information uh, to, to make Seljacondo understand the types for your function. But this is also mm. something that still can be improved, I think. So there yeah. are all, all of these areas that that are there already, but they, they can be improved. Uh, so yeah, th that is my plan for the future, just to make Salesicondor more stable and more a good out-of-the-box experience for, mm. for the mainstream closure developer, let's say. Yeah, well, I think it's still it's already pretty awesome, so yeah. Yeah, so cool. one thing that was also re uh, recently added uh, is support for the Closure Core Match macro, which is a pretty mm. pretty uh, complicated macro because it has mm. a lot of syntactical constructs that introduce new bindings. Yeah. Uh, so that, but uh, it was on the list already for one and a half years, but I finally uh, did that that couple of weeks ago. So. And there are, are several of these things that, that are on the list. Uh, so, so the more I think out of the box this works, the better it is because for beginners, it's not so nice if they install a tool and then it yells at you for something that that's not wrong, right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. You did something else as well, didn't you? Uh, like you're talking about like using specs to look things up. Is it grab or something that you did? Yeah, it's called uh, gra mm. uh, grasp. Grasp, mm. not grab. So yeah. it's a little bit of a it means the same thing in English. So that's why I think. <laughs> yeah, I think there is a Jux library called Grab. That's of good. course. So I, I'm operating is, yeah. in the five yeah. five character right. libraries. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> but um, yeah, so it's called it's called uh, Grasp, uh, which is mm. the pun on grab. Mm. And uh, what you can do is specify. So what it does, you can search through your code base or through your entire Maven repository, for example, uh, for uh, shapes of code. And these shapes you can describe with closure spec. Uh, for example, I used it today uh, for to see which interfaces and protocols people are using with dev record. Hmm. In, in general, because that is something I want to support better in the interpreter. Hmm. So I uh, built a spec uh, that says it starts with the, it's a list, and then it starts with the def record symbol, and then it, mm -hmm. then you have a name, and then you have a vector, but I'm interested in the rest of that. Hmm. So, so it grasps your entire M2 directory, for example, and then it, it will, uh, give you the, the S expressions of all the dev records that you were interested in. Mm -hmm. And then you can do some post processing on that. Mm -hmm. um, that's basically the, the idea. So, so you, you cloned so you cloned entire closures into your M2. So what? So so you cloned entire closures into your your Maven repo. No, not yeah. So I just <laughs> analyzed the, the the M2 that I had. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> is is that, that something that could be done now? Is that you could like Talk to the closures people and get yeah, yeah. get access to their. I am uh, actually box, you know? I am actually talking to uh, Toby. Uh, mm. I think it's Toby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> About this because I also made a tool recently which um, which you can throw some closure code at and then it will tell you which dependencies dependencies you actually needed to mm. to execute this code. So oh, if nice. you say, uh, if you say, for example, uh, I have medley.core slash index by, mm -hmm. I'm using this, and but you don't have medley in your depths.eden, then it will tell you, oh, uh, I found a li library in your M2 directory, which uh, actually has this function. So you mm -hmm. probably need that one. Um, and uh, but I actually want to build some integration with Clojars. Mm. Uh, so I proposed to Toby to make an index of all namespaces mm -hmm. uh, to uh, uh, the jar files, jar, jar files yeah. and, uh, and more information about which, yeah. file, which file in the jar uh, contains this namespace. Mm. Um, uh, so, but he's currently working on something else related to the, I think, domain names. Uh, so mm -hmm. you cannot create uh, organization names that you don't own anymore mm -hmm. on Clojars. Yeah. So he's first doing this. That's already that security problem recently. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's. Uh, but after that, he might look into that. So then I can integrate that with my tool to, uh, to look up uh, by namespace libraries on Clojars that you might. Mm -hmm. Uh, need, uh, but I can also use that index to download all of Clojars, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and then do hey, the. That's what you built a PC for, right? <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> and then, uh, and then do all the analysis on that. Hmm. But I'm I'm mostly interested in in like let's say the top hundred things that are occurring in a general closure code base. Yeah, sure, yeah. sure. So th that is why I built this 
this tool. Mm. Um, and I also used this grasp tool to find out. Uh, there was a recent discussion in the Closure Dev channel on Closure in Slack uh, about uh, errors of, of a SOCH, the function. Mm -hmm. uh, because if you call a SOCH with more than one key value pair, then it becomes the performance becomes slower because it does uh, first and last and or mm. first and rest uh, over the arguments a couple of times, mm. uh, and that could be optimized by introducing more arities in in the associ function. Mm. And then there was a discussion. Yeah, but people usually don't call it with more than two key value pairs. Mm -hmm. uh, so I I. And this was an unscientific claim, basically. Yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. it's worth it. But then I used a grasp to uh, to do some research, and I posted this research on the Jira mm. uh, to actually see how people are using a search with mm. how many key value pairs. And I think we even found a library where they had uh, twenty or thirty key value pairs. <laughs> wow! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but th that was definitely not the common use case. But so. Well, it's, you know, there's always a bell curve here. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so there is there is a way now to actually get your features into closure. Just go and create open source projects <laughs> with the features that you want, and then make Mikhail index those yeah. projects <laughs> and then prove that as a data point. <laughs> and these 200 projects are using this shit. I don't know why, but but it must be popular. Yeah, yeah. But but I, so it's kind of this tool is kind of a spin-off from. Uh, doing research for my interpreter or for sale the condo. Uh, mm, yeah, mm, mm. So, no, it's really good. Yeah, yeah. fascinating. So, um, wow, I think we we almost have uh, one hour of recording. Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> unless um, we're, we're missing uh, any other topics. You know, um, obviously we can talk about Babushka a little bit. Maybe you know, give yeah. uh, give us an update on on what is happening in that world. And how it is being used. Yeah. I think what I remember from I think last time we spoke about Babashka, it was just coming out. It was just being it was just, just coming, I think. Or it'd been released, but it wasn't yeah. you know the, the I think you've done a lot of work in it since yeah. then. The, the last time I was on Sailjik uh, on Devon Podcast, uh Babashka wasn't even uh, a thing yet. It wasn't huh. there was nothing. So I only had Sailor Jekondo then, but I started working on this when I was on vacation in Switzerland in August 2019. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, right now it's, it's being used by <clears throat> quite a lot of people, I think. Uh, so it has 1,800 stars on GitHub. Yeah, nice. Well, yeah, um, very good. And uh, I have a Slack channel with almost 500 people now. Mm. Uh, so I get daily, I see posts on, on Twitter of, I made this script and it does this thing. <laughs> and now I don't have to write it in Bash anymore. <laughs> and uh, so these are, and this, you could already do this a uh, year ago, I think. Um, but so it's always the last 20% that, that, that gets the most, uh, work mm -hmm. yeah. and so the last year i've uh added several features to babeshka so better integration with uh, uh the tools depths ecosystem mm -hmm. so you can say in babeshka itself you can say 
require Babeshka depths, and then you can say depths, add depths, and then you can just put a depths Eden map in there. Mm -hmm. and then it will download uh, the libraries for you and put those libraries on the class path. So you oh. can just do this uh, from one script. Um, and it will it will use tool, the real tools depths actually, so mm. it will use it will require a JVM when you want to add these libraries. Mm. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you invoke it the second time, it's all cached, you know. So it's mm. then it's very fast. Um, but I'm also experimenting with uh, making tools depths itself native. So okay. I already already have a working version of this. Mm. Uh, so then you won't even need a JVM for for this anymore. So entire mm -hmm. tools depths is native and it down, downloads your dependencies and uh, yeah, without this JVM startup. The, the other thing I remember that you did, I thought was very interesting, was take the closure script, the closure bash script, yeah, and made that work on Windows. Um, because that yeah. was you know because that was a bit of a sore point, wasn't it, for some yeah. Windows users for closure. That's that's true. Uh, so the current closure CLI on Windows is only supported from PowerShell, and it's mm. very awkward if you want to shell out to this mm. thing because it's wrapped in this PowerShell function or something. So mm. it it it's uh, and you cannot use this from uh, command.exe. So you always have to mm. need uh, use PowerShell, and there are some some weird edge cases around this. So what I did is uh, port the bash script to Clojure itself. Yeah. And now you can run this bash script with uh, Babeshka. And this works on every operating system because mm -hmm. Babeshka mm -hmm. works on every operating system. Yeah. But I also mm -hmm. uh, made um, uh, binaries out of this. So you can also just run, run it directly in a binary. Mm. Uh, you're just using GraalVM. Uh, that's called depths.exe on, on Windows. So mm. you just download the binary and then it works. Uh, so this is only a re-implementation of the bash script and not tools depths itself. So no, tools, sure, sure. Yeah. So it's only, let's say, the, the front end. But mm. I'm using this this same front end is now used in Babeshka as well to, to, do, to download these depths. That's exactly the same code. Okay. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So another thing that I added in the last year was uh, pods. And mm -hmm. so Babeshka pods are uh, basically other... You're, you're ahead of Rich Hickey in this sense, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry? You're ahead of Rich Hickey in this sense. Yeah, I'm ahead, I think he I'm, was yeah, going to yeah. have pods at one point. Yeah, yeah. But, you maybe, know. maybe I will have spec to uh, in the next... <laughs> pods. Uh... <laughs> the next version of Babashka. <laughs> the small closure interpreter will have spec too. <laughs> I think I think you have the whole whole ecosystem, right? You have the interpreter, you have the, the linter, oh. you have the static analyzer, you have a shell, so pretty much everything. Oh. Oh, oh, we no. lost him again. Are you still here? No. We're almost there. Oh, Jesus. Could be his internet. That's my... Could be. I think he's downloading claw jars as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, oh, uh, fuck. That was a shame. There is this... Uh... Here we go. Oh, there is. Okay. Uh, are you still here? Yeah? Yes. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Okay. okay. So I 
can just keep on talking. Um, yeah, just keep on talking. We'll just chop <laughs> we'll that bit out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so what was I saying? So the pods, Pod. right? Yeah. So so the Babeshka pods are basically uh, binaries. To normally you can shell out to binaries, you know. Mm. So you can. So for example, you have a script and you want to shell out to SQLite, for example, to mm. to save some data. Mm. Then you can shell out using Closure Java Shell, uh, for example, and then send some SQL and then. If you want to select some SQL or some data from the SQL uh, database, you can shell out and then you get it in a CSV format. And then, but so that's a little bit awkward. It's not nicely integrated, mm. and this is a problem that uh, Babeshka pods are saving uh, or are providing. So mm. you can, for example, uh, use the Babeshka SQLite pod. And then you can call functions uh, that do kind of an RPC call to these uh, other binaries. So a oh. pod is another binary which uh, Babeshka talks to, as mm -hmm. in more or less an RPC-like fashion. Mm -hmm. So, but it it is as it, uh, you are basically just calling functions. You cannot really tell the difference as a user. Yeah. But this is just a way to extend Babeshka with stuff that is not supported from uh, from source. So you can yeah. run you can run libraries from source, but this is not always possible if those libraries have uh, classes uh, that Babeshka doesn't know about, because okay. we cannot we cannot interpret Java classes, for example. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So so then you can build a pod, and then you this is a way to then extend Babeshka. Uh, but a pod can be written in any language and not only closure, for example, as long as it exposes the, the right uh, protocol. Yeah. So you've got a FFI now. It's kind of an FFI. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a more or less a high level FFI yeah. because yeah. The, the interop happens uh, using uh, uh, JSON or Eden or transit. So we're just mm. sending, sending mm. Eden over the wire. As if you're talking to a web server. It's, I think that's the the future of all FFIs. So it's all good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but nice. in, in scripting, it's uh, for for typical scripting tasks, it's it's very fast. So I recently uh, implemented a, a Buddy pod. So mm -hmm. Buddy is a library for closure for uh, hashing. Well, mm -hmm. it has more, but yeah, it has yeah. a it has a hashing namespace. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I'm I'm uh, exposing that through the pod. So you can say load pod org babeshka buddy, and mm -hmm. then you you say require uh, pod babeshka buddy, and then you can say babeshka uh, sorry buddy uh, hash uh, some weird hash. Uh, algorithm and then this data and then it will just just work from there without uh but with without babeshka having to bundle the entire buddy library because it this will also make babeshka bigger and bigger yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. so yeah. this is a way that we can delay or uh not compose include things it. yeah yeah we can we can compose things without including everything in one big uh, binary that's perfect mm -hmm. yeah yeah. Nice. 
I think all, all the all these tools are like you know, it's like alternative closure tooling that you're building. You know, the whole stack, <laughs> step by step. <laughs> yeah. Uh... The other thing I think with Babashka as well, you have a, a web server in it now, don't you? Yeah, there is. Uh, it, <laughs> yeah, the... Emacs is going to come into it next. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it will support Elisp, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think that. The... But uh, that, yeah, there is the there is HTTP kit uh, server. Yeah, uh, and the client is also in there. So the HTTP client. Mm. Uh, but you can now. Someone recently built a script uh, that. Re-implements Python HTTP server command in Babeshka, yeah. so you will just see all the files on your file system yeah, yeah. in the current directory, and that's nice. now very easy because of this built-in HTTP server. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of attention uh, or work done on on libraries as well. So we have mm. a Babeshka FS library, file system mm. library, which is a wrapper around uh, Java Neo stuff, basically, which is not mm -hmm. so nice to call from Clojure because you have to create all these arrays for all the options at the end. Yeah. And so this is, yeah, all Clojureified uh, into a nice library, which also is bundled with uh, Babeshka. Mm. But the libraries you can also use from the JVM. So it's all, that's the nice thing about, I think about Babeshka is that all the code that gets written is also reusable still on the JVM, so it's yeah, not yeah, yeah. it's not an entirely separate ecosystem in that yeah, regard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the thing, uh, interesting question for you actually is like you know, like obviously if you if you know Bash, I know Bash quite well. I've worked with it for you know probably years, um, <laughs> and uh, you know so I, I, and I know Bash better than I know Closure probably, um, but um, but the trouble is that. Um, there are certain things in the bash that just are really horrible to work with, like JSON. Actually, you know, JSON is a total nightmare to work with. So you have to you have to use some third party tool like JQ or something like that, um, which is also quite again a bit of an awkward tool. It, you know, the, the syntax isn't you know exactly perfect, and it's kind of annoying to again learn learn other tools outside of the the, the bash itself. Um, so I, I think in that case, Babashka seems to be fitting very nicely because, you know, often you do want to have, have a web client that consumes something and gets back some JSON. <clears throat> and if you want to do that in the bash, it's quite annoying. Whereas with Babashka, it becomes trivial. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that, yeah. I'm trying to sell it to you here. You know. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I might try it out. Um, <laughs> no, that, that's. No, I'm exactly... trying to think of other other use cases where yeah. you know where because yeah. if you're just doing one line bashes, then I I think it's very hard to uh, to, yeah. to make the investment. But that's true. But where, yeah. but where you've got these like use cases, like the threshold is is around five lines of bash, I think. Right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I call this the. I actually, the number five, I use this in two ways. So more than five lines of bash, you use Babeshka. Right. But if the Babeshka script itself takes longer than five seconds, you use the JVM. Right. Uh, okay. <laughs> so this is kind of the progression. Uh, so yeah. It, yeah. so because the the interpreter is not as fast as as the JVM, sure. because the, that is compiled. Yeah. Um, 
So, so you start with the Bash script, and, and I think a lot of people before Babeshka they just stayed in in Bash because, uh, or they used maybe Lumo or Plank, mm. or, or maybe Joker, which is an yeah. interpreter in, in Go. But but uh, but usually maybe they they stayed in in Bash, and they didn't make it did, didn't even occur to them that they could uh, use Closure for build scripts. Mm, right, yep. because it just takes two seconds to run it, and the JVM is too heavy for these simple scripts. Mm, mm. And now you can do this uh, in Babeshka, the simple scripts. Uh, although it it can it can run quite some some complex libraries now, like HoneySQL, for example. And mm. so you it runs like two K lines of closure in in hundred milliseconds, let's say. So mm. so it's not only small scripts. But if you have lots of, of loops and numerical uh, intensive computations, hmm. let's say, then the performance is not as good as, as on the JVM. So if you have a lot of this complexity, these loops, mm-hmm. and then the script might take longer, well, definitely not longer than in Bash, yeah. but <laughs> longer than on the JVM. So, and that this is where you, I think, have to draw the line if your if your fans are spinning and it takes longer than five seconds, go right. to the JVM. So and if, if you're you parsing are, very big log files or something, you might it might uh, might not work out so well for Babashka. Uh, yeah, well, it's more like the the executions per second that you that you mm. uh, yeah. So so log files might be okay because that that is just calling into a native compiled function. But if your interpreter right. functions are are in a loop, let's say, yeah, ah, okay, okay, then then it can uh, become become slow. But for typical scripts, I've never actually seen this as uh, mm, occur mm, as mm. a problem, as a performance problem. But people might try Babeshka from the JVM perspective, like, oh, it's the same, but with better startup. But but for some programs, uh, like. Don't do machine learning in Babeshka, for example. <laughs> uh, you have Excel for that, so don't worry. Right. So <laughs> use Excel interop. Um, yes. That, but use so, the pod. So, so this is this is a rule of thumb. Like if a script takes yeah. longer than five seconds, maybe use the JVM. And then yeah. if you're on the JVM, you can in turn uh, use GraalVM to compile that to a native image. Right. And then you right. will yeah. again yeah. get the start fast up. Uh, fast startup time. Yeah. So, so yeah, five lines of Bash, Babeshka, uh, longer than five seconds to JVM, mm. and then raw VM native image. Well, one of the things that, I mean, I, I don't know, one, uh, you, you tell me actually, one of the things that sort of, and again, you know, you're probably, um, you're deeper into it than I am, but one of the things we talk about here is like, all oh, there's, there's a tool chain now, you know, we've got, obviously we've got closure and that's a relatively, you know, you just fire up closure, you've got your editor and you and you've got your tool chain. And as soon as you start using things like Fabashka and Sai and all these other things, and then you, you it's the tool chain growl, then the tool chain becomes a bit longer. Um so you know, are there any what, what has anything happened in that world to kind of make that a bit smoother, to 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 make to make that tool chain experience a little bit less kind of like um I don't know, a bit less 
annoying. Clunky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just not annoying. I just don't. I don't so use it enough. So, from so. a user perspective, uh, if you want to use Babeshka, the only thing you have to do is download the binary, and that's it. Oh no, no, I, I get that. I'm just talking about like if you want to to use Graal VM and you know you mm. want you've got your because yeah. you know like you say you're looking for a start of time, so yeah. you know you've written these you've written these programs which are targeted at ah, sort of like yeah, small okay. running yeah, programs. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, I get what you mean. So if you want to get started, let's say with the Graal VM and you want to compile something to yeah. to native, uh, there are a couple of tools for this. Uh, but I generally avoid all these tools. So what I, <laughs> what I uh, usually do is download GraalVM. It's just a zip file from, from Oracle or, or the Oracle GitHub. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you unzip this, and then it's in my downloads folder, and then I set a environment variable, GraalVM home. Mm -hmm. This is in my uh, ZSH uh, initialization file somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I change this every season because every season there is a new release. Um, mm -hmm. And then I, I usually copy scripts from my previous projects, which uh, just have all the options that you tip typically need for a closure project. And then that's basically it. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the, yeah, the main thing you need to do is write a main function like you're used to with an Uber jar. Mm -hmm. uh, usually, if you want to invoke that using Java minus jar, you you need a main function, uh, and you can just make the Uber jar and then pass the jar to GraalVM, and then it will compile it. Uh, and, and does GraalVM immediately kind of spew if there's if it can't if it knows that it won't be able to make a native image out of these things? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It will complain if you, for example, try to use Closure Evolve, and it will complain about uh, dynamic class loader not being supported, for example. Mm -hmm. So you will definitely get uh, errors. Uh, and um, I mean, are there any cases where you can compile it, but then when you run it, it doesn't work? Yeah, it depends on what, what settings you use. So there is one setting uh, report unsupported elements at runtime. So if you use that, it will try to compile uh, while there are, might be things that it doesn't support. Mm -hmm. And then you will get the error at runtime. But this is a trade-off because sometimes there is closure code which, which uses eval somewhere, but maybe for a very niche case. Mm -hmm. And if mm -hmm. you don't use this at runtime at all in your GraalVM binary, then you st might still want to to compile it at the cost of having this runtime error, right? Um, but you can turn this on or off. Yeah. Uh, usually, there is one thing um, that you usually only will find out at runtime, which is uh, so GraalVM does uh, static analysis on your code, mm -hmm. and it, but if you use reflection to to interrupt with other classes. So you, you reflectively look up some class at runtime. Mm -hmm. Then GraalVM cannot see this. So then you will have a runtime uh, problem. So it will say, I don't know what this class is or null point or exception or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you can solve this using a configuration file where you, so you, set, you put, just put a list of classes that you will 
need at runtime, then it will also include those. So that will also work. Right, right. Uh, it also has an agent to to detect all these reflective usages during uh, during uh, a run of a program. So you can also mm. generate these configurations. So in general, you find like you know using GraalVM is not has it improved or is it just like yeah, you know it or, definitely or how, how do you you know how have you like are there are there tips and tricks somewhere like mm -hmm. um, that that you've published or do you think that the graph yeah. vm team themselves are doing a good job of yeah. like making are they aware of closure on on, on graph vm yeah so uh as for tips and tricks there is one uh repo called clj graal docs mm -hmm. which has yeah. uh, has a list of tips and tricks uh, maintained by Lee Reed and myself and mm -hmm. and other people. Everyone can contribute. Mm -hmm. uh, so we keep a list of of uh, yeah common common uh, issues that you can run into, but also a hello world getting started uh, yeah. page. I I also made a YouTube video about this yesterday, so you can mm -hmm. can watch that if you uh, want to mm -hmm. get started. Um, but and as for uh, so the improvement over time with GraalVM, it came from both sides because Clojure itself also had an issue uh, with the locking macro. And mm. this got fixed in 1.10.2. Mm. Um, and also some other things uh, have been improved, like avoiding uh, reflection uh, mm. warnings, for example. Mm. So so if you want to do a GraalVM binary, use Closure 1.10.2 or newer. Mm -hmm. And also use GraalVM 21 or newer because mm. uh, GraalVM 21 added the capability of resolving method handles. Uh, and this is one thing that Closure uses in Closure Lang Reflector. Mm -hmm. There is a conditional that checks if you are on Java 8 or later. And if you're on uh, Java 8, then it will, or later, if you are on 11, let's say, then it will uh, reflectively get a method handle and use that uh, to do some reflection, which isn't available in the Java 8. It, this has to do with the whole module uh, stuff yeah, in right, Java 11. Right, in Jigsaw, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this was something that GraalVM could not uh, figure out before mm. uh, the version 21. Okay. So that also has improved. So yeah. this combination is really good. Uh, and this this combination has only existed for a couple of months now. Mm. So you're, I think if you want to get started, you're now in a good place. Mm. And as for um, what was your last question? I forgot. <laughs> yeah, so did I. Yeah. Now, it was, it was, <laughs> the question was like, you know, about the tips and tricks, and you know, making sure that the actual tool kit, the tool, the tools themselves, were kind of like uh, relatively easy to use. And, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, my question was whether whether like I know that Clojure's learnt from Graal. I wondered whether Graal had learnt from Clojure. But like, ah, right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. To summarize. Uh, you only need native image tool and the closure compiler. Mm -hmm. And th this is basically all you need to build a binary. 
But as for knowledge from the GraalVM team about Clojure, um, I think they are aware of uh, of Clojure, mm -hmm. but it's not uh, a big thing, I think, for Oracle. Uh, yeah, because sure, sure. because yeah. for Oracle, they are mostly interested in the main, mainstream languages. Yeah, so sure. they are they are building... Uh, so GraalVM is not only a thing to compile to native, but it actually has a lot more, uh, which is called uh, the, the Polyglot platform. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. you, you yeah. so you can run multiple languages in one uh, JVM. So they have a something called a Truffle framework. Yeah. And you can build a Truffle interpreter uh, for a specific language. Uh, they have an interpreter for Python, for R. Uh, for Ruby, for JavaScript, JavaScript and yeah. so you and so you can combine all of these languages in mm -hmm. one runtime. So I think they're more invested in these languages than in Clojure. Mm -hmm. But I think they are aware of, uh, for example, what I'm doing with uh, Babeshka, uh, because uh, one week ago there was a conference, uh, a workshop organized by Twitter mm -hmm. uh, about the latest. Um, developments about GraalVM. It it was actually at a compiler conference, mm. so there were people from Twitter, from Facebook, uh, from Shopify, from Alibaba, uh, who all contributed to the GraalVM compiler and mm -hmm. made optimizations. Mm -hmm. And it was deeply technical, but there were mm. also a couple of just developers, let's say like me, who were showing what they were for doing with GraalVM. So there right, I right. I presented also the uh, the work I've been doing with Babeshka. So hmm. at least some people are aware. I'm also uh, yeah visiting the GraalVM Slack um, channel. They have hmm. a separate uh, Slack uh, com community. Sure. I'm, I'm also uh, in there. And uh, yeah, there are a couple of, of developers from the Graal team that uh, that know me and I know them so yeah also nice. issues issues on github get they uh, get responded to fairly fast and yeah. yeah all in all it's it's a pretty positive uh uh experience to deal yeah. with the gravium uh people mm. I don't know if this is um, we can we can cut this next question if it's uh, if it's wrong but isn't there is something about is it gravium or is it the jvm that's doing this like uh multiple kind of um, homing environment where you can have multiple J multiple runtimes in the same JVM. Is that is that JVM or is that GraalVM? Isn't that the truffle thing or is it? Yeah, that is. That's what uh, I'm thinking, yeah. yeah no, so I, don't mean, I don't mean different runtimes. Mm -hmm. I mean like, I mean like a multi-tenant Java, you know? Yeah, you can also, um, I'm not sure if GraalVM is the only one, but uh, they recently introduced a, a truffle interpreter for Java. Yeah. So then you can run, uh, so GraalVM, let's say eight, can yeah. run an interpreter that interprets Java 11 code. So, yeah. <laughs> so you can have uh, totally isolated JVM inside of a JVM. Uh, but that's right. fairly, that's fairly ex experimental still. Hmm. And so the performance is not that good yet. So it, it is, very much uh, research at this point. Mm -hmm. So the, the interpreter is called uh, Espresso. 
but that might open new ways because using Espresso, we can maybe uh, use the Closure compiler uh, to compile in in this uh, mm-hmm. in this uh, Java bytecode interpreter, uh, and that we can maybe compile to native image again. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And then we can maybe have something like Babeshka, but with the f- the full closure and the f- uh, even the JIT uh, capabilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure mm-hmm. if if that will work out, but it's certainly interesting to yeah. to try. Yeah, I mean, it's also the interesting concept of having essentially two runtimes where you can you can potentially swap the code between one runtime and another runtime. That, yeah, that that's going to work pretty well. <laughs> yeah. yeah anyway this is i mean i think the the whole ecosystem around um graal vm and the jvm is you know still very interesting and um but i don't know about you guys but you know we're we're on java 11 mostly some bits are still on java 8 um but i think it seems like the, it seems like the next is it java 17 which is the next yep. one which will actually be lts yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Um, which I think is, I don't know, they seem to be issuing every six months or so, so it should yeah, be yeah. like sometime this year where yeah. um, we get it. Because um, I, I yeah. don't keep up with any more the, the Java virtual machines. Um, <laughs> I, I remember back in the day, like everybody's complaining, like Java is not updated at all. And then everybody's yeah, I know. complaining. <laughs> and then the very moment they start releasing, you should like, I'm not going to move off of eight. Fuck you. You know? <laughs> 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 I'm just gonna stay on eight, you know. Who you can do whatever you want. Like, but everybody was like, oh, after five, there is nothing else, and we got stuck here, and everybody, the entire yeah. world is moving, and and they keep releasing every six months. I'm like, no, I'm not gonna grade. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I have. I was one, just wondering, one, actually, whether you actually knew, Mikhail, whether there was anything worth thinking about in like these <laughs> in these later JVMs, because I, honestly, I've never even thought about it. Well, I know about uh, eleven, but I don't know about anything yeah, beyond I'm that. Using, we're, I'm using eleven now, pretty much everywhere. Hmm. Uh, at work, we recently, uh, or maybe a year ago, we migrated every everything to eleven. Um, and By the way, what did you say? Because I mean, I get this question sometimes at work. It's like, why should we move to eleven? Everything works with eight. Even yeah. uh, there used yeah. to be an argument that security bugs weren't getting fixed in Java eight, but now they're fixing them all. Oh, so such and such a thing like a garbage vector doesn't work in Java eight. Why are we backporting it? I mean, Oracle are doing a Microsoft. You know, everything is like with Windows eight. Everything went back to Windows eight. You know, they're <laughs> backporting everything, and now this is no, like Java. It's a... like the number eight seems to be very sticky in developers' no, uh, with laptops. <laughs> Yeah. I think you're, you're right, right? There is this Shenandoah, Shenandoah GC uh, from mm-hmm. 11. So there is a bit more functionality there because in one of the projects I'm using Java 8, obviously, because of the Scala, Spark, big data stuff. And in another project, we are on 13 already. Right. And then I already see, oh, okay, you're using some specific GC option that are not going to work going forward or something. So mm-hmm. there are GC level functionality, but unless you're using Java, Java, Mm-hmm. You know, then then if you're using language like Clojure, then you don't see Java features as in the language features. You're you're only seeing the JVM features. So yeah. that's the that's probably the difference, I think. But I was thinking more about like because obviously with Java eight you got the you got the whole kind of like um, lambda stuff coming in and you yep. know people streams. start yep. in the streams, yeah. Um, yep. So I was wondering whether there's anything like like making that 
again yeah yeah there is uh, there is all that kind of stuff going i think there is properties and value classes coming in i think uh, maybe they are already in i'm not sure so there are a couple of things there on the horizon but i don't think they're there yet yeah maybe that that's the making java more like more functional i would say more like scala yeah yes (laughs) (laughs) meanwhile scala is becoming python slowly (laughs) yeah (laughs) so but what about you, Michel? I mean, do you know, is there anything from like the, the experiments with Graal VM about like the later Java versions? Is well, something. I am using uh, Graal VM Java 11 mostly, uh, yeah. uh, but also because uh, in Babeshka, I have a couple of libraries around uh, Process Builder, for example, hmm. which is supported in Java 8, but in Java 11, they, they built some some uh, extra uh, features into that. So I'm using that in Babeshka as well. So this is a reason why I'm using Java 11. <clears throat> and also some classes that are only in Java 11 that can now be used in, in Babeshka. Um, but not really any big uh, things. But I. Yeah, I just have the feeling that uh, GraalVM 11 is maybe better or supported because it's more used. Mm. So this is basically why I'm using it as, as the default uh, mm. thing. Okay, nice. nice. Cool. The other thing I was going to... So before we wrap up, the, the, uh, the other thing I was going to talk to you about, and I don't know if this is something, a topic that you're kind of like pushing a little bit with SCI, but having it as a kind of production REPL I remember talking to you at a, either one conference or another. We were discussing the idea of production repls, and you know, mm. we're all getting very scared about them. But you know, mm. you were like, "Yeah, come on, let's do it." You know, or yeah, yeah, I, remember, yeah. I was saying, "Let's I do am, it." I, I, I can't remember. Pro, I think we were going back and forth. You know, <laughs> I am pro production repls um, <laughs> because production repls give me the the ability to inspect uh, runtime state mm-hmm. in the production. Uh, and this has helped. This has helped me more than it didn't help me. Let's say. So mm. but you have to be careful, of course, to not uh, redefine things or, uh, uh, yeah. But you can always redeploy the production app when you do that, right? But um, you have to be careful, uh, of course. So so. But for inspection, I think in general. Having a REPL in production is very good. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure what we discussed it at this conference. And also, I think it was like the concept of whitelisting certain actions or whatever, uh, or, you know, this kind of concept where you could, in uh, a production REPL, turn off certain, you know, so you could read, but you couldn't, you know, you can look, but you can't touch type thing, you know. I don't know if yeah. that. I think we were just talking around that idea. I don't know if anything came. Yeah, of it. I don't know. I don't know. It okay. <laughs> <laughs> there was just something because for us, we we you know we're we're fans of this like immutable architecture stuff. Um, but the obviously with a REPL, you know, yes, it's immutable data and it's all immutable, but you can change things. <laughs> 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 Oops. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, the I, I pretty of... much use uh, production REPL only for reading things. Of course, but I, yeah. But yeah. I have used it, for example, in products where I had Datomic, Datomic mm-hmm. running uh, in production and I needed to uh, 
correct some some datums or something. So I just did that from the production REPL because that, that only applied to the production database. So yeah, it is a dangerous operation and you need to be careful, but mm-hmm. you can mess up a, a database also not using a REPL. So, I mean... Well, it seems like that's what <laughs> someone did, you know. <laughs> it's, it's a convenience, uh, you know, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I can see also see the downside if you have a team of 200 developers and you don't know who touched the REPL and messed things up. Yeah, that, I can mm. see that uh, being a problem. <laughs> I, usually, I, I've not been uh, in, in such big teams yet that this was a problem. So yeah, maybe at Nubank, they, they are not doing this. I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. Six, uh, or maybe everybody has access to production REPL there. Who knows? Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're only using production REPL. Exactly. There's <laughs> nothing else. <laughs> to all, you know, they develop on the production REPL. <laughs> exactly. So you, you don't you don't need to have multiple environments or anything. No CI, nothing. Just start coding and then push that to, well, control C, control K, and then you're, you're done. And then it's just... <laughs> Is that Emacs talk for something? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> In the terminal, right? Yeah, yeah in the terminal. <laughs> Anywho, so, um, wow. Uh, hopefully, I think um, our previous recording was still <laughs> reasonable. <laughs> so we're not starting in the middle of the episode uh, for the people who are listening. But thanks a lot, Mikhil. Thanks a lot for joining us again and, um, you know, all the great work that you've been doing, and oh, yeah. which is basically helping, you know, the entire spectrum of closure developers, the people who are just starting with closure and the people who are like intermediate people or advanced beginners like me and also like people who are who are super experienced and and also the rest of the people like Ray. Um, so it's it's uh... <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think this this um, is uh, one of the one of the biggest initial complaints about closure is this around around the developer tooling and ecosystem, right? And that's because we, we all remember the days when we had to use Slime instead of um, any closure-related stuff. I don't remember those days. But yeah. yeah, yeah. So that that was good old days <laughs> and with uh, without even lining and being yeah, on the horizon. I was, and, I was using Slime and yeah. in, in Emacs on Windows. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you've come full circle. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, but, but, you know, with, with the tools, like the stuff that you're building, like Kondo and Babashka and well, our, the, the whole uh, supporting tools, which are providing these tools, you know, they, these are helping mm-hmm. like significantly everybody. So th- thanks a lot for that. And, and, you know, I don't think there is anybody who in the closure development doesn't use your tools anymore. But as I said, I mean, if, if you're not, then I hope you already paused and then installed it when we said that you are supposed to. So. <laughs> If if not, go ahead and do it now. Um, yeah, thanks again, Mikhail. It's it's a you know it's a pleasure to have you on the on the show again, and um, hopefully we'll have you back again uh, for the third appearance. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm happy You're... to come back anytime. And uh, yeah, thanks for inviting me. It's re- uh, really great. Thanks for all the compliments. <laughs> well, I'd say your your brain is extremely fecund. What the fuck does it even mean? <laughs> <laughs> it means it's like a fertile, a fertile uh, place. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> I just thought I'd put yeah. that in there. It sounds yeah. very rude, you know, but that's it's very nice. You know? Well, thank you, Ray. Your your brain is fucking too. <laughs> <laughs>
Boom. <laughs> so yeah. thanks, Mikael. It's always a pleasure. I mean, you know, and I think it's such a such a great developer and such a great blog. So yeah, thanks very much. Likewise. Thank you. So that's it from us uh, for episode number 69 minus one. And uh, hopefully we'll see you <laughs> in the episode 69 minus zero soon <laughs> in a few nice. weeks. Enjoy. Thank you for listening to this episode of DefN. And the awesome vegetarian music or the track is Melon Hamburger by Pizzeri. And the show's audio is mixed by Walter Dullert. I'm pretty sure I butchered his name. Um, maybe you should insert your own name here, Dalit. If you'd like to support us, uh, please do check out our Patreon page and you can show your appreciation to all the hard work or the lack of hard work that we're doing. And um, you can also catch up with uh, either Ray with me for some unexplainable reason. Uh, you want to interact with us, then uh, do check us out on Slack, Closure in Slack or Closureverse or on Zulip or just at us at Defen Podcast on Twitter. Enjoy your day and see you in the next episode. We just we just click record and then start talking and then uh, okay if it is bullshit it is bullshit